Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, we're going to be looking today at the passage in Philippians chapter 2. And it's 19 through 30. And it, uh, it, it's where Paul talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And uh, there's kind of three relationships that, that are happening here in this passage I want to talk about. Um, and as we do, I want to present to us this aspect of the Hebrew model. You know, Pastor Ken has talked about that. He's talked about how there's the Hebrew model and there's the Greek model. And really in this passage, what we experience is we experience Paul talking about his relationship to Timothy and his relationship to Epaphroditus. And in it, it really does talk about this Hebrew model. And the Hebrew model really is about the walking together. It's about togetherness. Where the Greek model is kind of what you're experiencing here today, which is you're listening to me as I teach you on the daily. And, you're, and, and it has its limitations. I think probably every model has a bit of a limitations, but, but the Greek model has some limitations. And, and, and so part of it has to do with the fact that, that um, it doesn't really engage us in this togetherness. So here's what I think I want us to take away from this passage today, that, w- that you or I, we, we need to enter into one or all three of these Hebrew methods and, or this model. And, and, and the methods in which we see here is this. Paul is a mentor. And, uh, and so we, we see that. And, and then we have Timothy, who is the mentee, and then you have Epaphroditus of this peer mentorship or this peer influencer. <clears throat> and, and why do we need to enter into this? We need to enter into this because of this. Because when we engage in one or more of these Hebrew methods, we enter into intentional togetherness with a potential of transformation. Let me say that again. When we enter into one of these three methods of being a mentor, mentoree, or a peer mentorship, we engage in an intentional togetherness with a potential of transformation. See, you and I live in a very individualistic culture. We do uh, what we want to do. I I do for me. Or as it has been put, you do you. And you know, really, when we say you do you, what we're doing is we're, we're giving permission. And when, we, when I say, hey, you do you, I'm giving you permission to do you. But also what's happening is, is I'm saying, you got to give me permission to do me. Um, don't interfere with me and I won't interfere with you and all is good. But this does not create an environment of health. It actually creates an environment of an unhealthy soul, an unhealthy spirit, an unhealthy life. So just as we learned last week in Ephesians, where Paul talks about how we are to learn to know the the length, the breadth, the height, the, the depth of the love of Jesus, he says, together with all the saints. We learn in there that, that it's with all the saints, together, that we're able to, to understand the who Jesus is and the love of Jesus. Togetherness is important. You know, the truth, though, is is that togetherness creates a risk. And the risk is is that when I enter this Hebrew model, I become vulnerable. And ultimately, you're going to see that I have 
failures. I have faults. I, I, my failures will be exposed. And, and, and that's a risk, but the reward is much greater than the risk. It really is. <clears throat> so let's dive into this here, what Paul has to say regarding Timothy as we look at <clears throat> um, Philippians 2. He says this, Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who is who genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will be going with me. And I trust in the Lord to short, that shortly I myself will also come. So Paul's talking about how this, who Timothy is. And who Timothy is, is this person who uh, loves God. And, and it comes out of Timothy mentoring him, purposely mentoring uh, Timothy. That's what Paul does. He purposely mentors Timothy. And, and from that, Paul can say that here's this young man who loves God and he loves truth. And he grasps, he grasps Paul's love for people, really is ultimately God's love for people. He says that I have no one that takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Instead, he sees people around him who maybe are, 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 are serving, but they have an interest only in themselves. They're loving their own desires more than they're loving serving God. <clears throat> this, is, this Hebrew model of mentorship is not only seen in the New Testament, but is what God actually expressed in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Let, let me read the, these words to you. It, it's this what God says to Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your heart. And then this is what he says. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road or when you lie down or when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your doorposts of your houses and on your gates. What is he saying here? He is saying this. He is saying this is the Hebrew model. This is togetherness. As you live life, as you do life, be a mentor. Be a mentor. Dads, be a mentor to your, to your children. Moms, be a mentor to your children. That means that we purposely, we intentionally look at opportunities to share who God is. And we, we, we take those moments. We slow down and we take those moments. And that applies to the people in our life. Who are we mentoring? You know, some years ago, uh, when I was doing youth work, I remember that there was this one particular youth that was giving me all kinds of problems. I wanted to give up on them. They were, they were part of my discipleship program that I was doing. I was doing a bunch of mentoring with, with some youth, and I wanted to boot them out. And yet, as I came and I prayed for each of the kids that were involved in the mentorship, uh, I really felt God say, no, stay with that person. Don't boot them out. Just have patience. 
Well, some years later, I received an email from, from this uh, individual, and they said something like this. They said, uh, Pastor Scott, I, I want to I let you know that I recognize that when I was in youth that I caused you all kinds of problems, but I was listening to you. I was paying attention. And today, I am now leading a group of five young people in a discipleship mentor program at my church. What a joy that was to receive that email. Well, let's move on, because Paul also talks here about Epaphroditus. <clears throat> and Epaphroditus is one who I see is this pure mentor or this, this, this um, relationship that he has with him. And he says this, I have thought it necessary, this is verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my needs, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. I love the way that Paul describes this, this peer relationship that he has with him. Again, it's this Hebrew model. He's walking with Epaphroditus, and he says, Epaphroditus is my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. In other words, Epaphroditus and Paul understood each other. They walked through ministry, through life, where they were, I'm sure they wept together in the in, 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 in the areas of, of where they were feeling defeated, and they rejoiced together in the areas where they saw victory. I think about uh, Proverbs 27, 17. Here we read, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This again is an example of togetherness. You can't take two pieces of iron and, and see it sharpened if they stand out here as individuals. They, they only sharpen when they come together, when they, when they strike each other, that you see that iron sharpens iron. So you and I need to say, who is it in my life that, that is my peer, that I am, they're influencing me and I'm influencing them, but peer influencer, who is it? I remember when I was about six years into pastoring a small church, and I had a, a fellow in the church who was not happy with me, wasn't happy with my leadership. Uh, he was letting me know this, and, um, and, and as I was listening to this guy, I became very, very discouraged. And as I started to live in my insecurities, I, I started to think, I think maybe I should resign. I should move on. So instead of living in those insecurities, I went to a brother. I went to a fellow worker. I went to a fellow soldier, and I poured out my heart to him. He listened to me. He, he gave me some advice. Uh, we wept together, and he encouraged me in the Lord. You know, because of this brother I, brother, I went on to spend 12 years, 12 more years in that church ministry. And I will tell you that those last 12 years were the most fruitful years of the ministry that I've ever had. You know, I am glad that I had a peer to be able to go to. Well, the last part that I want to look at is Timothy. Timothy is one who is being mentored. And who is mentoring you? And I am excited about the program that Alicia is doing with our young people. And some of you are involved in that. She's asked many in the church to be mentors to these young people. <clears throat> 
And I, I'm excited. When do we stop needing to be mentored? When do we need to, when does that stop? Is it when we're in our 70s, our 80s, our 90s? Maybe never. As a matter of fact, I probably think that's, that's true. Uh, in one form or another, we need to have some aspect of mentorship. You know, um, I know that in my life, and I look back on it, and when I was being, who mentored me? I think of Rod Yates when I was in my teens. I think of Scott Mitchell when I was in my 20s, and John Giesbrecht as well in my 20s, or Dennis Scott when I was in my 30s. You know, it can, has always continued in my life. Even today, my, my good friend, Wilf Pauls, is this peer mentor that I spend time with. So, as I bring this to a conclusion, let me say this. We need to be part of one or more of these Hebrew models of mentorship. Because when we do, then we enter into an intentional togetherness with a potential of transformation. So, how do I arrive at engaging in this? That's what I want to say. I think that in order to understand, should I be mentoring? Should I be a mentor? Or should I find a peer mentor or peer influencer where I can be mentored and I can mentor them? This is what I think it comes to. I think we need to slow down. I need, think we need to stop and find time. I would encourage you to find some time of solitude and ask the Lord, Lord, are you calling me into a mentorship where I am to be mentored? And who would that be? Or Lord, am I to be mentoring? You've lived some life. You, 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 you understand that, that God has brought you through a lot of things, and why are you holding on to that? Don't be an individual. Or is it that you need to have somebody in your life who you are intentionally saying, listen, let's iron sharpen iron here. Is that what needs to happen? So stop and take time to seek God in that. Lord Jesus, today, may we find that time to stop and seek you and say, God, I want to enter into that Hebrew model of being mentored or mentoring somebody or having somebody in my life that's a peer mentor and share in iron sharpening iron. Lord, lead and guide us in this way. In Jesus' name, 